Hi, and welcome to the Phrasal Verb Plus Expat Life podcast. My name is Alyssa. I am an English coach and an expat. I help students from around the world express themselves authentically in English. I made this podcast for my students and for anyone and everyone studying English to add some logic and to give tips to the study of phrasal verbs. Okay, so what is a phrasal verb? Examples of a phrasal verb would be find out, look up, uh, go through, hang out. Okay, so it's just a verb plus a preposition. And why are they so confusing? There's actually a lot of reasons for why they're confusing. First of all, they almost all have multiple meanings. It's not common that a phrasal verb means only one thing and the meanings are not related. You know, they're, they're really different. Like break up. Break up can mean, and it usually means to end a relationship, but break up could also mean to take something and to uh, break it into smaller pieces, like a cracker. If I take it in my hands and I'm gonna let it crumble, I might be breaking it up. Okay, I had to stop recording because my neighbors are yelling. They're really loud. That wasn't the best example of breakup outside from to end a relationship, but anyways. Um, they have multiple meanings. Okay, um, also, phrasal verbs are often used with pronouns, like the word in, and with the word it. So, the word it refers to a previously stated idea or thing. So, this means that there is not always context in the sentence. I mean, if we're talking about our friend Anna, we say, Anna's really pretty. She's really smart. She, you know, we we don't say Anna every time. And that's how we use the word it. Um, You can't just rely on the context to figure out, this is a phrasal verb, figure out the context because we just say, figure it out, look it up, hang on to it. Okay, so if we don't state what it is, and we usually don't, then you don't have context. Okay, one, another thing is that the connotation is so important. Connotation is the feelings or ideas associated with the word. So some words have the same definition, but, you know, one word might be negative and The other word might be positive, or it might be um, immature. So a lot of phrasal verbs have a certain connotation that you would not know unless you asked a native speaker because Google doesn't tell us connotations. And Google doesn't do a good job of translating or defining phrasal verbs. Some of them, yes. And some of them know. 
So you don't want to use like a really negative phrasal verb if you're trying to say something positive. Um, one of the things I think that makes phrasal verbs so complicated is that there's just so many. Um, I don't know how many there are. There's not a number. It's not like irregular verbs or something where you could technically count them. There's probably thousands. So it is important to develop an ability to understand the patterns, but I'm going to actually teach you the classification. There are kinds of phrasal verbs and classifying them will help you learn them and use them better. Um, you can classify them by their particles, which is like the prepositions, but it's really a lot easier to classify them based on their usage. Okay. Another reason why they're confusing is that they are super, super commonly used and native speakers usually choose to use these over single word, bigger, or fancier sounding verbs. So when we write in English, we do tend to use like stronger, bigger words, but when we speak, even in a formal situation, let's say like a business meeting, we don't try to impress people with our words. You know, maybe in an interview, but we just try to communicate our ideas and native speakers, even in a formal way, will typically use phrasal verbs to do this instead of, you know, recuperate. Probably will say like something like get better, for example, um, get and better. Those are two really easy words, but no one's going to say like, I hope you recuperate soon. Um, you can listen to Barack Obama giving a speech and it's going to be full of phrasal verbs. Okay. So there's nothing slang or informal about them. It's just that spoken English has different forms than written English. Okay. And lastly, it is, they are confusing because they have a specific usage. I mean that you can classify them. Okay, so I made a little picture. It's going to be in the description, the show notes of this episode. I suggest that you save that picture and you copy it into your notebook and you use this as a tool. That's why I'm doing this as a separate episode because I'm going to reference these these words in the whole, in all of the episodes. Okay. So phrasal verbs can be transitive or intransitive. Transitive means that it takes a direct object. A direct object is that something, something that is, that receives the, the verb. So, for example, can you turn off the TV? So, turn off is the phrasal verb. The TV 
is the direct object. <clears throat> the turning off happens to something. Okay. Um, and you have to think about it because it's not just that there's something after the phrasal verb, it's that the thing that is receiving the action. So you're turning off the TV. Or I will look into it. It. I told you that's what's tricky because maybe you would say, I will look into the situation. But probably we would just say it because we already used the word situation. Looking into you're going to look into it. It is the direct object. Okay, so transitive has a direct object. Now, this is where the usage gets tricky. They can be separable or inseparable. So, separable, for example, can you turn off the TV? Turn off, that's the phrasal verb. Those two words are together. But look, you can separate this phrasal verb. You can say, can you turn the TV off? And you put the, the direct object in between turn and off. Okay, they can also be inseparable. For example, look into. I will look into it. I will look into it. You cannot separate this. You cannot say, I will look it into. It's not possible. So, the other classification is intransitive. They do not have a direct object. Okay, for example, he is coming over tomorrow. So, tomorrow is not a direct object. It's, nothing is happening to tomorrow. He is coming over tomorrow. Um, another example, she grew up in Brazil. In Brazil is not a direct object. It might help for you to refresh the concept of a direct object, <laughs> um, maybe in your own language, if you prefer. Um, so you might want to give that a Google. Give it a Google. Um, Okay, so those are the classifications. Transitive has a direct object. Intransitive does not have a direct object. I believe that when you Google a phrasal verb, that oftentimes it will tell you if it's transitive or intransitive. Maybe not from Google, um, but if you go to click on a dictionary website, <clears throat> it will tell you that. Now, this is really important. So when you learn a new phrasal verb, let's say turn off. If I just tell you, okay, turn off means to, you know, it's the opposite of turn on. It's to, to what? Turn off is to switch off. It's to deactivate, let's say. Usually whenever there's an on off button, it's to hit or touch the off button. But that's not enough. It's not enough for you to know what it means because now you have to know how you can use it. So what you have to do is whenever you write this down 
in your notebook, you need to write that, okay, it's transitive. Or you can write a T, you can write whatever you want, but know that it has, it will take a direct object. Now, Google will not tell you if it's separable or inseparable. I don't know why, because that would be so useful. <clears throat> but what you can do is just Google, just Google the phrasal verb. Don't Google define or what does turn off mean. Just Google it. Let's see what happens if I Google turn off right now. I'll show you. I'll tell you what happens. Turn off. Well, the first thing that comes up is, uh, comes up, it's a phrasal verb there. Uh, the first thing that comes up is the dictionary and it says turn off. Phrasal verb of turn. And it says leave one road. <laughs> Look, it says, I forgot this definition. Leave one road in order to join another. Okay. And then it also tells turn off as a noun. Guys, like... The definition that I just told you of turn off is completely different than that, and it doesn't even show that as another option. So forget that top part. Then there's some options. I've been looking at Macmillan Dictionary. Um, that's like the second option. I'll click that turn off. Let's see what it says. Do, 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 do. And this is beautiful. It tells you transitive. It says to stop a piece of equipment working temporarily by pressing a button or by moving a switch. And it gives you two examples. And then it tells you the other, the other definitions. To stop using a supply of water. Um... This one's very different. It's transitive. To make someone feel bored or no longer interested in something. That can be used in a, in a sexual way as well. Turn on, turn off. Um, Alright, so I'm really going to, I'm going to link this dictionary because I like it a lot. Macmillan Dictionary. So maybe my Google knows too well that I'm an English teacher because with, yeah, it's just showing me a lot of, a lot of dictionaries, but sometimes you can Google a phrasal verb and then the internet just shows you real examples of that, like without even having to type turn off examples. In this case, let's Google turn off examples. And then you can click on any one of these links and just, you can deduce from seeing it if this is separable or inseparable. Okay, if you see that they're always together and you don't put the direct object in between, then you know that it's inseparable. This is another really good website. This one is the Free Dictionary. Well, here's a trick, actually. So Google might not just directly tell you if it's separable or inseparable, but I will link this dictionary, the free dictionary, and it gives you, um, it says at the bottom, like, turn someone off. 
turn something off. If you see that you have someone or something in between turn and off, this means that it is separable. Okay? That's probably the easiest way to see if the phrasal verb is separable, to have someone or something in the middle of it. So then you can write that down in your notebook. You have the phrasal verb turn off, and then you write transitive, and you can write separable or inseparable. So then you know how you can use it. Now you automatically have way more knowledge about how you might use it in a sentence. Then obviously you should write the definition and example sentences. That's all that I would write, you know, in your reference notebook. But of course, to learn and to practice them, you should write your own examples and then try to use it in real life. So learning new vocabulary in general, and that's what this is. It's just learning like big, juicy, uh, kind of complex vocabulary. You know, when you learn a vocabulary word, if you don't already do this, you need to write down the part of speech. Please, like, please write if this is a, something is a noun or an adjective, because if not, how are you going to use the word? So learning phrasal verbs is just like learning vocabulary. You just have to know a little bit more. You have to have a little bit more information about the word. So just like with vocabulary, you should just learn a few at a time, really. I mean, even with vocabulary, you should just learn a few at a time and really, really get confident with it. Um, Because if you're not confident in every aspect of it, and when I say every aspect, I mean how to pronounce it, how to really use it in like the appropriate time to use it. If you're not really confident with it, you probably won't use it. And that's a shame because maybe you know what it means or it's in your passive vocabulary, but it's not in your active vocabulary because you're not confident in how it's used. So for phrasal verbs, I think it's best to, you know, find the ones that are the most useful, relevant to your life, and then focus on just a few at a time, maybe, um, you know, three at a time. Because as you see, there's so much information in, in one phrasal verb and so many nuances to it. You need to work a little bit harder than with a typical vocabulary word. So once you discover or study a new phrasal verb and you're you're working with it you're you're trying to use it you will also see that you're gonna probably start noticing this phrasal verb everywhere so study like raises your awareness of the thing that you're studying so you always need to try to pay attention to not just understanding like English for the main idea. Well, this depends on your your level. If you're a beginner, okay, 
try to understand for the main idea. But if you're not a beginner, you need to really try to listen to the words um, because you're basically trying to mimic this person. Uh, you're you're going to want to pay attention to the words because it's all there. If you If you just pay attention, let's say, to a native speaker and you learn phrases, all of the grammar and everything is built into the phrase. You know, you don't have to you don't have to worry about specific grammar things if you're just learning phrases. So phrasal verbs are phrases. Pay attention to what people are saying and you're going to notice that people use a ton of phrasal verbs. And the more you pay attention, the more it will reinforce your knowledge of the word. Because basically when you learn a new word, your understanding of that word is the average of all of your experience with the word. I mean, you learn a new word, maybe you translate it to your native language, and you think, mm, okay, I, I understand that. But then someone tells you, oh, but like the connotation, you know, we only use it in this situation. And then if you pay attention, every time you hear it, like that's the, um, and you start to see, oh, she was mad when she said that. Okay. Or, oh, he was irritated when he said that. And you'll really think about the average kind of feeling or the situation behind it. And so be aware, pay attention and practice. So lastly, I just want to remind you that depending on your specific language goals, uh, you don't have to learn tons of phrasal verbs, um, but you will at least need to be able to understand them, especially if you're going to be in an English-speaking country, because native speakers will use them. Um, my advice is just like imagine learning phrasal verbs as a whole other piece you know you can think of your pronunciation your listening skills your confidence all these different like pieces and phrasal verbs are like their whole own category i told you it's it's like vocabulary but yeah it's like vocabulary it's just a little bit harder maybe so just you're gonna be learning phrasal verbs for a long time and that's okay because really the more you pay attention to um, you know native speakers movies whatever and the more you learn I promise you'll be able to start to understand what they mean um, I am going to do an episode about the particles, that is, the prepositions, and help give you some logic to that, because you can't be literal when we think about phrasal verbs, because hang out means to spend time with someone. Why would you say hang? And why out? If you think like this, you, you won't understand them, but um, there are some some 
tips or tricks or some some information I can give you to help you kind of be really open-minded and flexible and to maybe think of these these prepositions at least like out in about in a in a different way you know English is really really metaphorical we say a lot of things I don't I don't want to give us this much credit and say we're poetic we're not really poetic but very metaphorical and a lot of phrasal verbs come from a metaphor so if you can remember that phrasal verbs are usually not literal they will be metaphorical they will have a lot of different definitions and you will keep an open mind and learn the definitions that are relevant to you um, and maybe also the the other more popular ones you don't have to learn every single definition um, you're going to be on the right path okay so i'm going to summarize everything we just talked about and i'm going to speak a little bit faster to do this i am speaking kind of in a teacher voice during this podcast why are phrasal verbs confusing they're confusing because they have a lot of different meanings they're often used with the pronoun it so we don't have a lot of um, context that was number one number two number three the connotation is important it might have a negative or positive connotation um, there are so many of them I already lost track of the numbers <laughs> I'm sorry um, next they're very very common and um, they're more commonly used than you know bigger or fancier words and also they have specific usage which is almost never taught um, so that was the you know the difference between the transitive and intransitive so then we talked about this the picture to this is in the show notes um, transitive phrasal verbs have a direct object they can then be classified into separable or inseparable um, if you go to Macmillan dictionary or another dictionary that you like um, it will tell you if the phrasal verb is transitive or intransitive often not always and then you can see if it's separable or inseparable if um, some of the examples put the word someone or something in between the <laughs> sorry for that sound the na- the verb and the preposition the other group is intransitive they do not have a direct object okay so The idea is to simply write this down in your notebook and be aware of this. It will help you use it. You don't have to memorize this, please, because I don't know this. If you tell me a phrasal verb and then you ask me, is it transitive or intransitive? I don't know. I have to stop and really think about it. But this is a tool to help you use them correctly because as a learner, you have to figure out phrasal verb how to use them okay how to learn them um, be intentional write them down in your notebook write down if they're transitive or intransitive separable or inseparable and write examples and then write your own examples learn just a few at a time and try to use them uh, this would be like a great thing to do with a teacher 
Um, teachers love it when you tell them what you want to do. Approach your teacher and say, these are the phrasal verbs I'm learning. Can I show you my examples? That's a great idea. Um, and then lastly, remember that you don't have to learn all of these. There's so many, but you need to grow in your ability to kind of deduce and understand what they mean. And uh, I will do an episode teaching you about the different prepositions and help hopefully give you some logic behind why we say out or in or of. Um, Okay, because native speakers will use these a lot. And finally, my final advice was just to remember that this is a big topic and it's just a whole journey. It's your phrasal verb journey and um, go slow and take your time and, and yeah, don't rush it. Okay, so I, I know that was a lot of information. Um, I think this is a good episode, a good resource for you to re-reference now and again. Maybe you should save it uh, when you need a refresher, like, God, what is this world of phrasal verbs? Because my idea with this podcast is to do a lot of episodes where I really just choose a few phrasal verbs, explain them, all of their definitions, tell you if they're transitive and transitive, transitive or intransitive, and then give you examples. And um, I also plan to do some episodes that are using stories and examples relating to expat or immigrant life using a bunch of phrasal verbs. It'll be good for listening practice. Um, Okay, so this was just like a like a resource um, background information episode. The next episode will be jumping in and starting with phrasal verbs. Um, so if you have any questions, um, the best place to find me and stay up to date about everything is just Instagram. So my Instagram is at or arroa if you speak Spanish empanada de nada. Okay, so thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.